Hello, adventurers. Come and have a seat at our table as we welcome you to another episode of Discussions and Dragons, the podcast where my brother and I take an in-depth look at the world of 5e and all things Dungeons and Dragons. Opening and closing music credit to Will Savino at patreon.com slash musicd20. I'm Jaren. And I'm Britton. And this week, we are talking about overland travel, that fun topic where we're exploring the bigger open world of our campaign settings. Uh, so it, in preparation for talking about this, I went to the all-important source book, the Dungeon Master's Guide, and they, they kind of gave like two different approaches to handling overland travel from the DM's perspective. I do want to talk about, uh, from, from each of our perspectives, things that we like, dislike, pros and cons. And I want to hear from you as, uh, from the player's perspective, things that you like or dislike or want more of. The Dungeon Master's Guide gives you two examples of how to handle overland travel. You know, oftentimes this is just basically... Uh, the journey from in, in between two narratively important points in our, in our campaigns, right? It's, well, we're in this city. We need to go here for the next part of the quest. What's ha what happens in between? Because it's a week-long travel. That's the overland travel we're talking about. And it gave two different ways to handle this. Uh, one being the montage, where you're kind of uh, just describing, like a movie or something like that. You know, there's, there's a few different scenes you can kind of describe. And um, it basically kind of takes care of a week-long journey in about a 30-second short paragraph description. Uh, and the other approach that it suggested was this more more gritty hour by hour kind of approach day by day where you're going through and doing a lot of, you know, perception checks and nightly watches and it it really kind of makes uh, overland travel uh, have some heft to it instead of well we just completed 2 weeks worth of travel in half a minute and then we're there to the we're at our destination cool. So I'm curious to know, like, what what uh, what are your thoughts on overland travel? Do you prefer one or the other? Do you like one or the other? Um, what are, what do you like about overland travel, as as a player? So, when I think about overland travel, I I personally have a what I would describe as like a David Lynch philosophy of overland travel, and what I mean by that in in all of I would I would wager to say all of David Lynch's compendium of works. Everything that he does has a purpose and a reason. There is not a lot of fluff or a lot of things that are extemporaneous thrown in there for no reason. Everything is purposeful. And I like to think about that in terms of my approach to a D&D &D situation. I like to assume that the DM has created everything to be purposeful and meaningful. Say we meet somebody on the road. I would like to believe, possibly, that the DM didn't just say, all right, you meet Hengus Bingus, the human rogue that wants you to steal this gem because they would like a gem and then you never see them again. I would like to think that the DM possibly has another plan for Hengus Bingus to come back later to be, thank you so much for helping me. I actually have a deed to this shack that I don't really use. You can have it since you helped me out. Now you have a home base in this town. So I like to think of overland travel being purposeful. So I really enjoy the, like, it can be a little monotonous sometimes if, you know, the DM hasn't planned anything. But I really do enjoy, like, all right, you have eight hours of travel today. What would you like to do on your travel? If you don't have anything, we can skip. But I think allowing the players time to maybe talk. When the DM sit, takes, a, takes a back seat during overland travel and the players get to talk, I think that is when roleplay really happens. And honestly, that is another opportunity for the third and least talked about pillar of D&D. &D. You know, we have combat, 
we have role play, and then we have exploration. We hardly talk about exploration, we hardly think about exploration, and I think that Overland Travel offers so many opportunities to explore, to use some of these, you know, survival skills. That's not just, hey, I saw this person uh, walk around the city and I'd like to follow them. All right, use your survival so that you can track them. I think that using survival in different ways, um, I'd like to scrounge for some food. I would like to hunt a deer or I would like to navigate which, which, which way is the wind blowing. I think that that might assist us. I, so I think that when overland travel is made interesting by offering these opportunities, I think as a player, it makes me want to engage in overland travel more rather than like, all right, where's the next town so I can talk to people or fight people. Yeah, that's a good point. You've made this three-dimensional character that has all these additional skills that aren't necessarily combat. It's it's fun to be able to use them, even if it's not something that's super narratively relevant, I would, I would think. Yeah, of course. I think that when, again, I don't want to judge, I don't want to put any sort of judgment onto what I'm about to say, but I think that when you create a character that is not just a block of stats and you're not waiting for your turn to persuade or deceive a person or fight them, I think you may find that as a player that will elicit a more positive emotional response to the gameplay. When you have not just a block of stats, when you have a character that has thoughts and feelings and, you know, wants to take time to do the little things during overland travel, that's when a lot of really good roleplay moments can happen. That's when a lot of really good player-to-player -player moments can happen. It's the sitting around the campfire and, hey, tell me about why you're this way. Dump, dump some yeah. more on me. Yeah. Give me your well, backstory. And, you know, I, I've played both ways. I've, I've had, semi-recently, I was in a campaign where the DM basically had a, a 1d8 that we rolled for the day. Each number on the d8 was ascribed to like the weather, how we were going to be traveling, how the travel was going to go, things like that. And you'd have basically 1d8 of how the day was going to go, and you rolled d20 survival to see how well you navigated that. And that was just because their map was so big. So we, you know, instead of being like, well, it's, it's going to be a two-week trip to get there, it was, well, we got to take day by day and say, this is how this day went, this is how this day went. So it felt like a nice combination of both. I did miss some of the the nitty-gritty in the overland travel. Like, uh, you're on a cart for the next, you know, four hours, and you don't really see anything, but you see some uh, a family of bears wander into the forest, or you see, um, you know, a sky whale float overhead, things like that. Now, not every DM needs to do this for their players, especially if the players do not want this. And I think everything, I feel like everything that we've discussed here on this, on this podcast so far can always just be, you know, resolved with a session zero. Like, what do the players want? What would they like to do in terms of overland travel? I have my preference. Yeah, what do you like doing? Because I know in our rhyme campaign, we've kind of had we've we've had moments where we know where we're going. We know there's not a lot of dangers on the road that we're going to, especially in between towns. So there's not a whole lot of use in saying, "All right, you walk for the next two hours." What would you like to do in those two hours? Right. And now that we're kind of in a in a a bigger we're exploring the, the parts of the world that are not this collection of settlements. We're getting into some 
more more overland travel and not let's travel on the established path between towns. So the overland travel has become more relevant. I have kind of taken a hybrid approach in, in this regard. I, I think uh, too much of this day by day, hour by hour approach can kind of get repetitive and stale, and it kind of loses uh, in, like player interest. I think. Where the trade-off being, you do get this big weighty payoff where you're like, okay, we've been overland, we've been doing this journey for the last two sessions, we finally make it to our destination, and it can feel really satisfying. But too much of that, and it just kind of lose interest. But then again, on the flip side, if we're just doing like, okay, here's a paragraph that I'm going to say, and in 30 seconds, you guys travel 200 miles, you're at the place, there you go. Like, that's also not very satisfying. I've kind of taken this hybrid approach where I know that it's going to take some time, I'm trying to not simply say you get there but instead I, I will know I have a good idea of what the threats along the way might be and at some point along the way we're going to uh, zoom in from doing a more montage approach to okay this is the encounter that you're going to that I'm going to actually have us go through and so it's, it's a little bit of both right and I, I like using those situations in order to fill in the color of the bigger world you know, you, you mentioned just offhand, oh, you see a sky whale. Like, that's super interesting. That's not something that I have in my day-to-day real-life world. So when I see something that's weird and new to me in the fantasy world, I'm like, I want to know about that. That is something that seems relevant to the world that my character is in. I want to find out about that. And I, I like to use that overland travel to kind of color that in a little bit. You know, maybe it's showcasing a cool monster with some cool abilities, and you're like, you know, why does this specific troll have this different ability? I know I'm, I can kind of metagame with myself and go, I know that all trolls are like this. Why is this one different? It must be specific to this world. It might not be, oh, this is an important NPC troll that I have to go and talk to, but it's just kind of helps differentiate and makes the world special. Um, or for example, in our rhyme campaign, when you guys found this abandoned and kind of crumbling Netherese's pillar that had a token that had a spell on it and you know that kind of like helps tell the story right it's it's not something that it's, it is immediately relevant to the narrative but you go oh this is different and special and it helps me have a better sense of what the bigger picture what the bigger world is what the setting is and it's not simply a random encounter that I got off a chart it's something that is kind of helping to tell the story so I kind of like this hybrid approach where you know just to reiterate we're not doing a grindy multi-session overland travel to get to the place. But again, we're also not simply saying, you know, in 30 seconds you get there and, and now we're at the next part and we're skipping all the all the meat, you know? It's, it's like if you're reading a book, skipping right to the ending of the book, it's cool, but it's not really satisfying. You kind of need that greediness and that, I wouldn't say slog, but you need to kind of go through some stuff before you get the payoff. And, um, you know, that's, okay, that's, I'm gonna stop talking now. That's my, <laughs> that's my take on, on that mix that, that I like and why I like to, to use that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I, you know, touching on what I said earlier about the whole, you know, David Lynch thing, I, I tend to think about as a player, the way that I approach playing D&D is that we are only, yes, we are the, the characters, we are, we are playing these characters, but we are, it's almost like a movie or a book. You are only seeing the moments that need to be seen. Uh, or are significant to be seen. You know, there, there's a reason that most, I would say, again, I don't want to say all because there may be games like this, but I, I would like to imagine that most games, you're not saying, all right, well, I'm going to spend the next 25 minutes um, sitting here eating this soup in front of me, uh, contemplate why I'm an adventurer, 
Uh, and then I brush the hair away from my forehead and grab my napkin and, and blot my forehead. And for the next 10 minutes, I'm going to sit here and, and read a novel while my food digests. You know, it, we are only seeing the vignettes of the important things. So that's why I really appreciate when a DM asks, is there anything that you want to do on this travel? Because we are seeing the important, yes, my character feels compelled to do this. I want to do this. I want to have this conversation. I want to, um, I'm going to, I'm going to hop off the cart. And I know that my, I have a dash speed that's faster than the horses. So I'm going to go on a run for a little bit. I'm going to, I'm going to go off into the woods and I'll catch up with the, with the cart later. And I want to see what I can see. Um, I think it was possibly in our last campaign that we did together, a, a very memorable moment for me it was something that was very, like, had nothing to do with the story, but it was just a wonderful moment that happened on in uh, in a session of Overland Travel. We were trying to get to some place, and I think we came to a clearing, and we saw this deer with golden antlers, and it was so cool because it just felt magical and it felt like a, a significant moment even if it you know was something that was like I would just like my players to see something cool we still saw that and that still sticks with me and that moment of seeing something was very interesting and I think that if we just kind of brushed over it and said all right well it's going to take us about a couple days to get there let's just get there that would have been brushed over and that would not have been a moment that I remembered that was in the uh, Storm Kings campaign wasn't it yeah yeah it was yeah, I, I remember that moment. I, I remember that moment because I had to roll a D100 and there was like a 5% chance of that happening. And that's what I rolled. And it was cool that that was a, a thing that happened. And, you know, that's that's not to say anything about uh, homebrewed campaigns. I think that is one of the successes of from the book campaigns is that everything does generally feel pretty purposeful. Yeah, um, for sure, for sure. I, uh, I, I, I really like running written campaigns. Uh, maybe that's a, a whole different topic of why I like them and what my thoughts are on them. I did want to mention, this is a little bit pulling back the curtain a little bit, you mentioned when you run into NPCs or anything that's in overland travel that you run into is has, you'd like to think has some meaning and was put there for a reason. Um, a little bit of pulling back the curtain. It might not have an importance when we put it there as, as a DM, but as soon as players latch onto it, suddenly, yes, we're definitely going to come back to that and that's now the place where some important information is going to come from. So maybe, uh, you know, random NPC you run into on the road that wants you to go on this little mini quest might not be important when we put it there, or it might be. Maybe you do run roll some random encounters, and it happens to not be a combat encounter, but it's you run into a guy who's pulling a cart, and he's got a, a, a cart full of, uh, of crates, and now you're asking him about what's in it, and it's actually some interesting stuff, um, and players latch onto it. Well... I'm definitely, you're definitely going to run into him in the next town that you go back to, and maybe he's got some campaign relevant stuff in his cart, or he found an item that happened to be cursed, and that's, you know, they're just a bunch of tools that we're using to help tell the stories, where, where it might not be important at first, but as soon as it's, as soon as we as the dungeon master recognize that it might be a way that we can help tell the story, definitely we're going to use it. And to that point, I think that this may be you know, something where DMs are informed by their players. You can't prepare for everything. You can't, you know, have the story be, like, prescribed. It cannot be, this is what I want the story to be. This is where it's going to go. These people are going to feel this way, and this is how it's going to end. Because you don't know what your players are going to latch onto and what they are going to find important or significant. 
And that is kind of the beauty of, you know, D&D as a whole. But especially with overland travel, there are moments where you can just, you know, throw in something so auxiliary like that golden antlered deer. Mm -hmm. And I remember that as a person. And my character thought that was a very significant moment of like, oh, this is a sign. Because my character was so pious, this is a sign from God. We are going in the right direction. And that was, you know, it was a random encounter, but it was something that really influenced this character. And I think that's kind of what I really enjoy about doing this kind of nitty-gritty, where it is appropriate, overland travel. Um, it allows the players to make connections and latch onto certain things involving travel. And it's really informative, I would assume, as a DM, to take that backseat, listen to the players, and not only like listen to the story that they're creating, but listen to what they're interested in. You know, say they meet that Hingus Bingus guy on the with his cart on the road, you know, it could go one of two ways, really. Your players don't care about them at all, and you're informed as a DM, I will not bring them back, uh, or Hingus Bingus becomes best friends, and now this is like the party's merchant that sells them things everywhere they go and tells the tells the town of uh, your your party's exploits and how nice you are. Yeah, that's that's completely true. I I I love listening to your guys's approach to problem solving and to you know when I introduce something or sometimes I just include some stuff and you know things that I thought were completely meaningless you latch onto and all of a sudden that's like taking the campaign in a in a new and really cool direction. And it is 100% true that there's a lot of stuff we're doing now that I could not have predicted at the start of the campaign. The story is definitely being shaped by your character decisions uh, and being informed by those decisions. Um, so it, it's been really satisfying to, to watch how that's been able to unfold. And uh, it's, been, it's been a lot of fun. I, I've enjoyed it. And I, I'm, we're kind of veering off the topic of overland travel, except for to say... Sometimes you throw in those things in your overland travel encounters or you're asking players what they want to do. Because while it is satisfying to just get to the next really cool place, it's it's really the smaller details that help fill in and make the campaign memorable and interesting. Right. And, you know, just like any story, it's not about the ending, it's about the journey. Uh, I feel like... I mean, I don't want to be, you know, hashtag we live in a society, but like, you know, it's it's hard to not be very excited for the ending, for the payoff, for the what was all of my work for. Oh God, yeah, especially as somebody and, who knows <laughs> where this. Uh, you know, when you're right, when you're running written campaigns, you know, you, the bigger picture is there for you already. So, running rhyme specifically, there's a lot of really cool things that I like that I'm looking forward to, and I have to pull myself back and go, well, we have to have the journey too to get there. Right. And I think maybe that was uh, that was one of the pitfalls, I would say. When, you know, this isn't a... a now we're not critiquing uh, pre-written campaigns, but I think that was a, a gripe that you and I had maybe about, uh, about Storm King's Thunder. There was a moment towards the end of Storm King's Thunder where, we, where the party should acquire some sort of airship or use of a like flying balloon airship. And that assisted the party in navigating the rather large map that you needed to go on. And from what I remember, you said there wasn't too much written about, all right, well, you have seven days to travel from here to here. There's nothing really written. We can just go there. And I think 
your use of a hybrid system of overland travel being, all right, let's get there, or let's, you know, kind of fill in the gaps here. The use of that when appropriate, especially about when you get to the, just past the halfway point of a campaign where you can feel the acceleration happening, you don't really want to slog down in overland travel of like, all right, we hop back on the airship and putter around for seven days. What would you like to do on your seven days? It's like, my character is only thinking about endgame, only thinking about how are we going to save the world? How are we going to save this realm? Yeah, uh, this is probably another topic as well, but I I guess it kind of does have to do with overland travel because when you hit a certain point level-wise, you know, the problems that you're facing at different checkpoints of your character leveling are different, right? When you're when you're first starting out, your overland travel is going to be like some goblins or it's going to be some bandits that you encounter along the way. Then as you're like level 5 through 10, you're fighting bigger things that have more weight in terms of how they relate to the bigger world or, or to the narrative. And when you're like level 15, you're not fighting goblins and bandits along the road. You're just not. Right. Uh, I think that throwing that at your players might confuse them a little bit because you're at the point where everything feels like it matters for some reason. And and maybe that could just be my experience. If that is just my experience, then that's influencing my opinion. But in my experience, everything happens for a reason in a campaign. So to kind of bog it down with like, all right, you've been on the road for three days. Let's throw a random encounter at you. It just kind of feels like throwing us a, a a combat bone. Yeah, that's that's definitely true. I think a good way to uh, kind of summarize all the things we've been talking about is that w- we use overland travel when it's appropriate, and we kind of zoom in and zoom out as, as necessary and as it has meaning, and we include, quote, random encounters uh, when they have a purpose. We do overland travel. We have uh, moments where we're having... RP by the campfire moments when it's necessary, when it's when it's important. Uh, we don't do grindy, okay, everybody make perception checks for your watch for the next 14 days in a row when it has no meaning and when it kind of gets grindy. We do do it when it's important and has some relevance. We throw in some locations when they have some really cool, uh, you know, uh, ways to color in the world and, and kind of tell the story of the bigger picture and the setting. So we're, we're doing it in a way where it has meaning and it has a purpose. Yeah, I would agree. I think that the most effective way in, you know, again, these are my, these are our opinions. I think the most effective way for overland travel to be utilized in uh, a way to represent the, the third and often looked over pillar of D&D exploration is with a hybrid system of overland travel, of when it is appropriate to skip over some of the things that may be a little bit more tedious and when it is appropriate, zoom in and take time to have a campfire conversation, to see a sky whale, to be directed by a cloud of floating glowing insects to a an enchanted bog, you know, what have you. Um, I, I think that bo- having a hybrid strategy is very effective in storytelling because you can utilize strengths and weaknesses of your party, of your player's interest. You don't want to take away from the momentum of the story by slogging down. And you don't also don't want to make a journey feel insignificant because the payoff did not match the journey. Yeah, definitely, definitely. 
And one final closing thought um, before we wrap it up and pay our tab and get out of here. Uh, next time I do some sort of montage-esque uh, summary of Overland Travel, an idea that I, I don't remember where I saw this, but one idea I'd like to try and see how it feels is instead of me, the dungeon master, saying, well, this is what happens for the next seven days, just go around and ask the player, okay, you guys, uh, it takes you seven days to, to go there, everybody one at a time, what interesting thing happens during the seven days? Or what's one thing that you specifically do during the seven days? And they can kind of help uh, tell that story and it gives uh, that agency over to the players to say, well, that, that's cool. Like, well, what my character did during seven days was this. And, you know, it kind of kind of puts that back uh, in, in control of the players to help tell that story, even if it's not, you know, taking that gritty day-by-day -day approach. Yeah, absolutely. All right, well, that's going to do it for our show. Thank you so much for stopping by. If you liked this episode, please check out our future episodes, which are released every other Wednesday at 12 p.m. Central. Next episode, we are going to revisit a topic from Season 1, which is improving as a player, as well as improving as a dungeon master from the perspective of the opposite role. Also, if you'd like to join us for a conversation uh, or talk about other D&D-related content, we have a link to our Discord in the episode description. This has been Discussions and Dragons. I'm Jaren. And I'm Britton, and we'll see you guys next time.